Welcome to the B-Side Boys Podcast. Who do you think you are? I am! An Iowa rugby podcast. Okay, I didn't know that. Well, now you do! With your host, Mr. Gray. Big meaty man slapping me. And Philly V. I am untethered and my rage knows no bounds! Brought to you by Rotor Epoxy. This is the adult tour, which means you can drink if you want, and we can say whatever the hell we want. <laughs> so there it was, episode 60. 60, And yes, it's dude. Wednesday, my I dude. I know, our first rugby practice. Today, tonight. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm really excited to see the boys again. Yeah. It feels like it's been so long. Well, it has been so I, long. I guarantee other teams are, well, maybe not everybody's dealing with that, but. You know, with off season stuff, I feel mm-hmm. like people don't get to see each other very often. And no, yeah. and also too, you know, I've seen on Facebook like Iowa Falls is practicing, River City is practicing, Des Moines practicing, Des Moines practicing. Yeah. Um, who else? Dubuque I saw had their practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's back to practicing. The Wombats. If you live in the West Des Moines, Des Moines area, up by Ames, we got guys all the way up in Boone. Like we got guys down in Indianola. Like if you want to play some some rugby but you can't commit to a full schedule we practice once a week you can meet us in clive practice on wednesday go grab a beer at pally's after and we're good to go and then we have our banquet on saturday so really cool stuff for us and on top of that b-side boys got a brand new logo i know i love it i love that he's texting me all those different ones and i love how we both came up with the exact same one <laughs> so yeah we're working with our designer shout out coming soon uh, and she was like, Hey, here's these. And then I sent them to Phil and it was like, Hey, tell me your, your top one or two. And we had the same exact idea. Like this is it. So it was one of those things, you know, now that, now that you might hear an ad or two on Spotify, no big deal. We're like, Hey, let's get an actual logo and get our faces off of Dude, there. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I, I hate our faces on that. You call me ugly. No, I'm calling myself ugly. You plus, realize, plus, he used a really outdated one of me because I like hair still and everything. And <laughs> you realize I made that on my phone. As no, like, I know you did. When you texted me, and you're like, dude, let's do a podcast. And I jokingly made that thumbnail like, oh, like this? And you're like, that's awesome. <laughs> I made that like 15, I no, like two just, minutes on my I phone. I just don't like seeing my face. Yeah. And I don't like hearing myself talk. It's just, ugh. Phil, you're beautiful. Well, thanks, so, man. yeah, cool things locally for us, the Wombats. Uh, practice today, B-Side Boys, new logo. Thank you to our designer, Emma, Emma Billerbeck. Yeah. yeah, if you need any sort of graphic design, Emma Billerbeck, you can get a hold of her. Her website is ebillsdesigns.myportfolio.com slash work, or you can see her stuff on... Yeah, via Instagram, Just it's her full name, Emma Billerbeck, no spaces in between. Yeah, we'll so, tag it in the episode. Yeah. So, and if, she's also a former uh, UNI women's rugby player, and she was on the dive team too. So, yeah, she know. was. Yeah, she's a UNI alum, like, so a diver. Yeah, and then yeah, that's the thing too. I I really do. The reason why I always reach out to her for like if we need a design thing for certain projects is because rugby people helping rugby people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, she, yeah, she designed our retro logo too. She did a yeah great job on that. Yeah, the Heisman wombat. Yeah. Yeah, no, so definitely love that. Always try to help people in the rugby community. And yeah, so if you need anything designed, get a hold of her because she's awesome and awesome to work with. Also, there has been announcements on social media 
Uh, you may have seen it on the Facebook page for the Iowa Rugby Union Hall of Fame. Kelsey McDowell, she has been posting about it as well. The Iowa Rugby Union Hall of Fame nominations are open. So if you want to nominate someone, go to that Facebook page. You have to fill out a Google form. Mm -hmm. They're not taking handwritten submissions, which I guess that's what it was back in the day. Um, they're not taking just you write it on Facebook. You need to fill the form out so mm -hmm. it's nice, neat, and organized. And then also there's areas for you to put in, like why this person deserves it, how have they helped grow the game. And Kelsey has done an amazing job. The Iowa Rugby Union Hall of Fame started in 2017, and it it was kind of chaotic at first, but she really helped organize a streamlined system. And so, you know, shout out to her for doing that. And she actually was elected in the Hall of Fame last yeah. year. I so, was there for that. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely really cool. And so uh, each team can nominate two, two people. Um, I know the Wombats, we nominated a a – retiring wombat won't say his name and, and then we also nominated another person <laughs> a you and i guy um yeah we'll just leave it at that so like that's the thing like you can nominate anyone go for it um but please help kelsey out and just do the yeah. form um we're gonna have her on the show and it's gonna be really fun in a couple of weeks where we're gonna do a series with her where we dive into and we look at every single hall of fame class from 2017 to now, not in one episode, we're going to do multiple episodes because it feels like not a lot of people know who's even in the hall of fame. Mm. Not a lot of people know how it started. And then that's part of why this podcast exists. We want to tell the stories. So who, who better story to share than the people who were in the first class of the hall of fame, you know, they have tons of stories from when rugby first came to Iowa. We need to hear their stories. And that's mm -hmm. something too, where I feel like me and Phil, we know what's kind of happening now in rugby. Yeah. Well, like at least over the past like 10 years. Yeah. yeah. But even then it's still a little fuzzy. We're mm. relatively young. I mean, our bodies, my knees feel like I'm old. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> my lower back, but no. So that's the thing. We want to dive into the hall of fame. I'm going to do a, a series on that as well. Probably a lot of it in the summer when we're looking for more content. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll be fun, though. That'll be a lot of fun. Oh, it will be because, yeah, Kelsey's going to come on and kind of talk about that. So help her out. Speaking of Hall of Fames, the University of Northern Iowa. Yeah. I, I know we've got a few UNI listeners. Mm, just a couple. That's <laughs> kind of our demographic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the University of Northern Iowa Men's Rugby Hall of Fame. Just starting a Hall of Fame, yep. They are starting their first ever Hall of Fame. They're taking nominations now. Yep. Just message them on Facebook. Uh, we'll preferably get a hold of DeAndre Moore, myself, or like Tyler Nugent, um, Jesus Ramirez, you know, any of the guys that are, I guess, typically on the UNI alumni board. How would anyone know who's on the board if they haven't been around in a while? Mm, that's a good point. Well, I'm so kind of like rattling names off right now, but you say though, like, you know, the guys on yeah. the board. Like, I, I don't even know who's on the board. Right yeah, now. that's fair. <laughs> yeah, no, get a hold of one of us um, with the submission and please get them to us before June 1st so that we can have time to, because we're going to do like jackets and stuff like that. Oh, oh, yeah, it's going to be real fancy. So, gold jacket, green, green jacket, jacket, who gives a shit? shit. Yep, Are they yep. going to be purple? I would assume so. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Like a, like with a velvet, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like we're going to try to do 
preferably, you know, one from each decade and stuff. And we're reaching out to some older, like guys from like the original team. Nice. So yeah, it's going to be, this is going to be a really good year for the alumni that, weekend. And that's, that's really cool. Hall of Fames are kind of getting a little more serious or more structure to it. And like Iowa State just started theirs mm. a year ago. You and I starting theirs this year, you know, saving and preserving the stories of how these clubs were mm. founded because it is a part of the identity. It is a part of the culture. Everything that people are doing now, whether they know it or not, has been built on who was there in the 70s yep. and 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And that's the thing, too. You get so caught up in the now, you kind of forget, like, why do we do these traditions? Why do we do it this way? Um, I want to hear those stories. Yeah, I think exactly. other people would be interested, too. And, you know, it takes us away from just guessing. Yeah. Like, we actually get people who were there. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. And if you are going to send a, a nomination, just you know, who it is, the year they played or the years that they played. And then, you know, just something obviously like why you're nominating them preferably because they're my best friend. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. No cool stuff there. Uh, moving into Iowa youth rugby association. So uh, the rumor was schedules were going to be announced yesterday. We're still taking a look. We're still taking a look at waiting for the schedule to be dropped. Cause I heard a rumor, Phil, I heard a rumor that North Polk might not have the numbers that we thought they were going to. Hopefully they have a team next year, but that means that the schedule changes again. Yeah. That makes it tough. Patrick Lawson. I I will say this too. Okay. So Patrick Lawson, he's making the schedule and he reached out to me and he was just like, Hey, can you just look at this just to see like, does this make sense? And I looked at it and I started playing around with it because the way our state is structured, you know, there's only six 1A teams. There's 15 2A teams. You have a big pocket in central Iowa. Mm-hmm. You got a bunch of, like Clinton is a brand new team. You got uh, Crestwood that's way up north. You have all these teams in little pockets and then a couple of clusters in the Cedar Valley, um, Des Moines area. It makes it very difficult because Patrick is trying to create a schedule where driving distance is as fair as possible. Mm-hmm. You also are playing a competitive schedule that, you know, you're, you're playing people in your division. Yeah, that makes you're not, sense. Yeah. You're not repeating matches over and over, but also we are limited on the host sites. Not many teams put in bids to host. Mm. So it, it's like this puzzle that there's no, like you're missing so yeah. many pieces. There's going to be, you know, it's not going to be absolutely perfect. Some people are going to have to do a little bit more travel than they probably want to, or, right. you know, maybe you, some repeat teams. Right. And, and it just, it comes down to like, I, I think too, they were talking about maybe looking into a sub state for those last spots for state, oh, okay. just because like, you know, in years past, it was like, Hey, there's 10 teams. Everyone's, or there was 11 teams like in the girls league one year mm-hmm. and all 11 teams had 10 matches. You played everyone once. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, when you have 15 teams and it's not evenly distributed, that's impossible. Yeah. And then how can you say who's like a power ranking of number one, two, whatever. So look for that. It's not finalized. I'm, I'm just kind of talking on, on some things I've heard, but I just want to say this too. Give the Iowa Youth Rugby Association a little grace. Give Patrick some grace. He's doing everything he can because I looked at him like, oh, let me take a look at this schedule. Dude, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. So things are going to happen. Yeah. Also, host sites. Like I was saying, week one, 
teams are going to be playing at Valley in West Des Moines, Bondurant, Farrar, and Cedar Rapids, Washington. Week two, the host sites are Fort Dodge, Ankeny, and Waverly Shellrock. Week three, Southeast Polk, Bondurant, and Crestwood. Week four, West Des Moines Valley is hosting, and they're also hosting the middle school Des Moines Touch Rugby Championship. And then Southeast Polk is hosting and Cedar Falls. Week five, we have four sites, Bondurant Farrar, Ankeny, Cedar Rapids, Washington, and the brand new team, Clinton. Nice. That'll be awesome. And then week six, Norwalk, Central Springs, and Waterloo, Columbus. And then after that, state tournament time. So pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty excited about that. Uh, league is going to be awesome. Can't wait to get going with that. And then also, you play in the league, you have a good season. What do you do after that, Phil? What, what would you do as a high school kid? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> it's been so long since I've been in high school, bro. <laughs> I would go to a high-performance team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, who are we interviewing today, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> My I, bad. That's twice now. I, put it, I, I put it on a T. I put it on a T. We I'm, just talked to them. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you play high school rugby. You had a really good season. You want to play in the summer. You want to do selects. You want to play high performance rugby. Oh, my oh. gosh. Have you heard of this Rebel Rugby? Yeah, I have. Yeah, because we just interviewed them 13 minutes ago. <laughs> I love longer you. than that. <laughs> I love you, Phil. Thanks. I love you too, Gray. That was really funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you want to introduce the interview? Yeah, let's do it. So here it is. It is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we are now here with Ethan Pounier and Casey Hansen of Rebel Rugby. Guys, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, no, we're really excited because, you know, Casey might be one of our most uh, talked-to guests on the show, and we always talk about Rebel Rugby. It always comes up, this high-performance academy. High school kids have the opportunity to play in this. We talk about it a lot, but we've never really dove into kind of the, the roots of like how it started, where it began. So mm-hmm. Ethan, super glad to have you. Can you kind of tell us, you know, what is Rebel Rugby? Like what's your guys' motto? What is it in your vision? Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're a regional development academy, right? We specialize in the high-performance seven space. So, you know, our goal is to uh, ID players, develop players, and then provide them with a high-performance competition outlet. So, um, you know, originally, you know, when we started, it was just a Colorado thing, right? We were looking mm. to, um, you know, fill the summer schedule when kids were, you know, kind of out of their, their regular club season or school season. And, you know, we just want, wanted to provide an outlet for them to travel around the country and compete. So um, we kind of feel like we started out of necessity just because nobody else was, was doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. And how long ago did you guys uh, start up Rebel Rugby? Like, how long has it been around? 
Yeah, so uh, originally Cody Melfi, who's with uh, with the Eagles now in Chula Vista, him and I founded the program in uh, 2015. So, um, you know, kind of just been running it ever since. And then we rebranded. At that point in time, we were the Rocky Mountain Rebels. And since then, we've rebranded to Rebel Rugby Academy. And we've opened it up to, you know, the central U.S. and the western U.S. for, for player ID, um, you know, and education and stuff like that. But, um yeah, I've been going strong for what it's about eight years now. Oh, wow, nice. And you know, you said you started; it was just Colorado based at first. What had you open it up? Were other coaches or kids coming to you from out of state, or were you guys kind of looking around like, "Hey, there's some talent here sitting on the bench. They're not doing anything. Maybe let's say in Iowa, like, or was it both ways? Like, how did you open up the doors to other states? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. Um, you know, originally when we were traveling to, you know, some of the larger tournaments and you're competing with just kids from one state and you come against teams that are pulling from a region or from the entire country, mm. you know, we just found ourselves in the back foot in, in a lot of those games. And so, you know, our competitive nature kind of kicked over on, you know, seeing how we needed to adapt in order to, to compete with these teams and really, you know, showcase our players. So, you know, with, with that in mind, we started reaching out to players that we had, um, you know, play or, or guys we had played with in the past that were, you know, other states now and coaching high school rugby and started filtering those kids in now. And, you know, ultimately that's kind of how we found Casey was, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was obviously coaching in, in Iowa and, you know, producing good players. And some of those kids started coming to us. And so we figured, you know, we bring them on. And, um, you know, so we've kind of gone around and we've handpicked some staff all around the country who have some pull in their region. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we've come into what we are now with, with all the players that we have. Mm-hmm. Nice. And so when you're going through and you're selecting these players, you know, is it one of those things where you really, you know, rely on these coaches in these separate areas or do you have the final say on who you're selecting? What does that process look like when you have maybe a group of kids applying or just reaching out? How do you make that decision? Because, or or do you have a massive player pool that you pick from? What does that selection process look like? Yeah, so we, we run a player pool that's, you know, throughout the course of the years, anywhere from, you know, 50 to 70 players, just depending on players' availability. Wow. We will always have, you know, final say on who we're actually selecting for trips. And, and the way we do that is obviously we, you know, vet the players through our ID camps or through their select camps. We talk to the coaches and we make sure that we do our due diligence by watching film on these kids, just mm-hmm. because everybody has, you know, a different style of, you know, evaluating talent and all that. And so when we go up to build our rosters, we want to make sure that we, you know, we have the players that fit the, the mold of the team that we're trying to be and, and all of that. So um, kind of hit it on a couple different heads where, you know, we're obviously trying to get out to these states, making sure that we see them with our own eyeballs, talking with our coaches who are in the area, um, you know, and, and working with them. And then obviously making sure that we, you know, take a look at them and, and, you know, the product that they're able to put on the field via film. Definitely. And you said also too, these players need to fit the mold of what you're trying to create as a team. So when you say like rebel rugby, is that not just a brand, but also like a play style? Is that something where like, you know, you guys have a specific style you want to play and you're trying to look for those players that can get the most out of this experience? Or are you just looking for the best talent? Or is that really, I mean, because I feel like I hear Casey say rebel rugby. And when I hear it, it doesn't even sound so much as a team, but as like, you know, a style. Is that accurate or kind of part of it yeah i guess so i guess we've, we've kind of you know adapted a hard-nosed style with with the players that we have and you know have, have really kind of owned that but um you know it's 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 tough right so like you know you got to find the balance in what you're trying to do with these guys oh yeah and do you like 
for the teams too? Do you have like U18, U16, U14, U12? Mm-hmm. Like what are the ages yeah. that you work with kids and, and how do they work through your program? Yeah, definitely. So you know, we field teams that are, you know, we have U16 teams that go to Salt Lake. We're going to take a U16 team to Bloodfest 7s as well this year. Ooh, it's easier to get them in when it's younger, but obviously we're going to continue to look at, at kids throughout their entire high school career. Um, you know, as we all know, right, some kids only find rugby later on, so we don't want to eliminate, you know, their opportunities as well. So, you know, best case scenario is we ID them when they're, you know, freshmen and sophomores and they mm-hmm. come in as U16s and, and, and play U16s for us and then, you know, move through that system where they're going from our U16 team to our open division team and then their senior year they're competing for the, you know, the, the, the elite team on um, on that series and mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, you know, to be honest, you know, the, what we feel, you know, to develop a quality rugby players, many people are going to have to, you know, kind of go through the coaching process with them and, and help mold them. And so we just want to make sure that along the players, you know, pathway, we're one of those, you know, stops where we're providing as much value to them in the short amount of time that we get them. Right. Cause it's really only a four year period that we get to coach them, but mm-hmm. you know, their rugby career could for 20 years and we want to make sure that we've left, you know, lasting impression with them. Yeah. So you get to work with a lot of these kids for four years. Do you have any uh, really notable guys that have gone on to play like, D1 rugby, like scholarship players, anything like that? Yeah. So like a, a couple of them, Cy Mendenhall, he was a kid who was with us for, for three years. He's at St. Bonaventure now. Hmm. Uh, Abe Kamara, he played all four years while he was in high school. He's at Dartmouth. Oh, wow. uh, Keelan O'Connell, he's out. So, you know, there, there's actually a ton of kids now. So, you know, we, we rebranded in 2019 when we went, you know, regional and almost national for our player pool. And, you know, since then we've, we've seen just a massive uptick on our kids being able to get in, you know, to division one colleges mm-hmm. and then start making an impact for those teams. So it's actually been a lot of fun, you know, trying to keep in touch with all of them mm-hmm. and, you know, watching their careers go. And, um, you know, Sam Gala, who, who went number one in the MLR draft, yeah. was one of the original rebel but it's fun to see them kind of start coming up through the ranks and, um, you know, go on to bigger and better things. That's amazing. And, you know, there are so many, I feel like select side teams or high performance teams, but they kind of have that fake banner of high performance, high performance. And it's more of like a pay to play. And like, you really have to sift through all these teams to see like, you know, as a kid and as a parent of a kid in high school, like, is this actually valuable? Is this actually going to benefit my kid? Or is it just someone collecting a paycheck? What separates Rebel Rugby from the other high performance academies that are actually doing the right thing? And then, I mean, obviously the other academies that are just like, hey, give us money. We'll take you somewhere. You didn't really get better. But what separates you from the other high performance academies that are that are doing a good job as well? Yeah, I'd like to say, you know, our, our constant engagement with players, right? We don't want to grab a kid for one event, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then move on. We want to make sure that we get these guys into the program and there's there's a continued educational component, right? If we can help facilitate an SNC program throughout the course of the year, we're just able to provide that extra layer of value. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, right, you know, the, the, the pay-to-play model is tough enough to navigate with, without people having to pay salaries on top of that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody here at Rebel donates their time right mm-hmm. and, and so that's something that we're, we're able to keep costs low it's, it's affordable for kids the value is there and, and we've had the feedback on that and then throughout the course of the year we do a ton of engagement with you know influential rugby people in the community to help raise scholarship money so at the end of the day right we don't want to leave a kid behind just because they can't afford it we'd rather work around and and help facilitate that opportunity and so you know i feel like we do a great job in actually helping these kids get to these events if, if they don't have the means to do so so i think that helps 
separate it, um, you know, and, and I'd also look at, at the coaching staff that we've been able to build and, and the relationships that we have together. So, you know, I know you guys had Brad Dufek on a couple of weeks ago, maybe yep. a month ago. Yep. You know, he was a game changer when we brought him on. Um, you know, Casey was a game changer when we brought him on because it opened up the entire state of Iowa, which, you know, an athletic hotbed right there. And, you know, you look at athletic size and speed of kids, right? This is probably, probably you know, top of that list. So, um, you know, where we see it is, you know, you, you have to surround, as a coach, right, you have to surround yourself with people who challenge the way that you think. And I feel like we do a good job of balancing each other out on that. And, mm-hmm. you know, just the engagement that we continue to have with each other on a regular basis, the engagement we have with these kids on a regular basis, um, you know, we, we feel like we've become a trustworthy academy that people want to be a part of it, right? Mm-hmm, and, definitely. you know, early on, people know what we what we were. And, you know, I, I think over the last eight years, we've, we've done a good job on, you know, kind of, knocking the door down and letting people know that we're here and that we mean business and that, you know, we want to leave our own imprint on the game all said and done. Yeah. And when I went to your guys's Facebook page, you know, looking back at 2019 during that like rebrand and seeing like the tropical sevens and I saw Brad Dufek was there for that. And then just knowing Casey talking to him about the last couple of years as well. Like it just seems like there's, there's these great opportunities our kids are going down to play and then they come back and they bring it back to our home state. And the level of play in Iowa is raising because of opportunities like this. And so just to remind everyone, Casey Hansen is it's here with on. us. <laughs> um, sometimes I forget to ask him questions, but I say you just polishing that big head of his. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there's gotta be a good story for how you guys first met or how you brought him on. Like what, what was that that first time you met him or saw him? What, or Casey, vice versa. Take that one? No, no. Yeah, so um, I believe it was actually Brad that put us in touch with each other. So the Dakota Southworth was actually the first rebel kid from Iowa. Chuck Nasty. Um, and Good little player. Conversation. And then, you know, uh, Brad was like, hey, you know, I, I, I met this guy in Iowa. He seems to be doing good stuff. Like, let's, let's have a call with him and see where his head's at. And, you know, obviously at that point, you know, Casey was starting to take over the selects. And so we wanted to see, you know, what kind of angle we could help, you know, provide value to that program. And so the first time I actually ever met Casey, he picked me up at the airport in Des Moines when we were coming in to run a rebel camp in the selects tryouts. I think it was 2021. Yeah. I think somewhere around there. And, uh, you know, so we, he picked me up, we went over to, uh, Brent Wheeler's house and had dinner, had way too many cocktails, kind of got to know each other. And, you know, honestly, <laughs> It hit it off like we were lifelong friends, and so um, that was that was kind of it from there. After that, I was just like, "Hey, man, like, is this something that you want to, you know, be a part of?" And um, you know, he said yes, and you know, that's that's it from there. We've kind of been attached ever since. A love story for the ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Casey, was that still during like the White Claw era, or had you moved on to Ranch Water yet? Ranch what, water, what were the cocktails that night? <laughs> Uh, you yeah. know, there was there was probably a little mixture of uh, maybe a Coors Light, a White White Claw, and I think we even got into Cope's uh, Bourbon Stash. Ooh. Yeah, he was he was putting them in some smoker and smoking them with different types of wood, and we got hammered. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And for people that <clears throat> excuse me, for people that don't know you, Ethan, like, what is your background with rugby? You know, we know you know you've got Rebel Rugby going awesome opportunity for our high school kids to check out, go to the website, go to social media, see how they can be a part of it. But what is your story? Like how, what led you to become a coach? 
Yeah, so, you know, I, both my parents are South African, so I, I grew up watching the Springboks and just absolutely worshipping rugby ever since I was a little kid. And, um, you know, my cousin moved over when I was in first grade from South Africa, and that was kind of my first dose on watching, like, in, you know, you know games in person. And so really just the, the love's always been there. Played all the way up and through high school. Right out of high school, I went and played for uh, Glendale's Men's Division One team. We ended oh, up winning wow. the national championship in uh, 2011. And then I had a couple injuries along the way, which kind of pushed me into a coaching role. So I started coaching in 2011 at my former high school and, you know, it, it just clicked. It just felt natural. You know, I, I loved the game and it was a way that I could be engaged with it while I was recovering. And, um, you know, obviously my career kind of ended through injury and just kept running through there. So as, as soon as I was done playing, um, I started coaching under Andre Snyman over at Glendale. Um, at that point, was running a high school program and looked then, uh, and then since then, I've kind of just moved on. So I've I've done, you know, the U18 high school American Sevens uh, for for the Can Ams a couple times up in Canada, which we we've, we've won uh, both times that I've done it, and actually was doing that with uh, the NAV head coach Justin Kyle Anderson, who's kind of you know an up and coming name as well. Um, I do performance analytics for USA Rugby for the 15 side for the US 18s and the under 23s and then just jumped on with the PR sevens again. And, um, back in October, I took the director of rugby role and head coaching job over at Regis Jesuit in, in Colorado. And, um, you know, we run five teams over there. So just try to stay busy with, with rugby as much as I possibly can. <laughs> I'd say Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I mean a little busy, but then you mentioned three, five, seven more things you're doing. Cause yeah, we were going to say, we just saw, cause we're trying to figure out this PR sevens thing because it seems really cool. It seems like American audiences will love sevens rugby for people who don't know. Cause I feel like unless you know rugby, it's hard to understand 80 minutes of 15s rugby, which, you know, Phil and I being front row players, we, we love 15s, but I think for a general non rugby fan, they're going to love sevens. So we saw the draft is coming up soon. And we also saw that you're going to be one of the assistant coaches for the New York local sevens. Yes, sir. Yeah. Nice. And I don't know, like how many, how many tournaments is there? I mean, I feel like their social media is good, but at the same time, I don't know when any of the tournaments are like, it seems like it's got some really cool graphics, but it's, it's hard to like really navigate to know like how the season works is, are they still a ways out from starting this season or is that going to be this summer? Yeah. So it's all going to take place over the summer and, you know, obviously what they do by, you know, having four new expansion teams come into the league, they've split it into two conferences. So they have a West West coast conference and East coast conference. Um, So we'll actually start off uh, the East coast in, in June. Uh, We'll have a second tournament in July and then in August would be, would be the final. So the top two teams qualifying from each conference will meet up in San Jose for that final. Okay. Eight teams for the men, eight teams for the women. They're paid equally, um, and it's it's actually been pretty fun. So Tui Osborne and I did it the first go around uh, for the Texas team uh, when it was in Memphis, and then you know we got a call from Mike Tolkien. You know, has it been about you know ninety days ago, and he just asked if it was something that we wanted to come back and be a part of, and nice. and obviously we said yes, and so. Two weeks ago, we actually had the preliminary draft, which was the first seven rounds. And then coming up here shortly will actually be the, the second half of the draft. We'll actually go rounds eight through 16. So um, we have half about our half our roster set. We're still going through the negotiations of actually getting all those guys locked in. But um, yeah, if we get all the rights figured out to all these players, we're, we're going to be dangerous. Nice. Do you have any former Rebel rugby players? 
Uh, we do. Brock Brock Stinson is is one of them. Um, he's still at Cooktown. Um, and then obviously, you know, we decided to pick up my boy Cody Melfi since I had a great relationship with him. And um, you know, so he he was a founder of the Rebel. Never played for the Rebels, but um, you know, hopefully we can figure out a couple more to get here along the way. Nice. That's awesome. That's and exciting. <laughs> and that's funny too. Like Texas team, like their legit name is just team. Team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's why we were we were eager to, to, to jump to do the New York locals because they actually have a have a name and it's not Texas. So. <laughs> yeah, it's like the most generic, like they forgot everything about it. Because there's so many cool names and logos, yeah. and then it's like Texas team, and it's like that's worse than the Washington football team. Like, <laughs> that is, thinking, like what are we doing yeah. here? <laughs> Everything else pops. Yeah, they might kill me for saying it, but it's just the Harry Potter horse, right? He's got the lightning bolt right down the grill. And, <laughs> you know, we were like, screw that. We'll, we'll take the train. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure it out the other day. The Pittsburgh, that's pretty funny too. The Pittsburgh Steel Toes. Like, <laughs> just some of these names yeah. are ridiculous, but I love it. <laughs> Yeah, no, and you know it's 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 one of those leagues where like it, it actually has a lot of potential, right? And they yeah. have a media deal, which you know early on goes goes a long way, and 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 the the quality of the on field product has actually been pretty good for you know vetting you know teams or you know players for 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 the Eagles and and for Friday to take a look at. So mm-hmm. you know I, I think the bigger guys that we can get in and actually get into that style of play, it'll help, right? Obviously, there's always going to be a feeding frenzy for the international players and the big mm-hmm. names, but, you know, if we're all doing our job right and doing what's best for the game, right, we're actually going to try to go out and identify younger players, bring them into the system, and, and try to, uh, you know, add to that pipeline funnel, um, you know, that's trickling all the way up to, to Chula. Cause, you know, if you look at our, our performances from, from the Eagles over the last couple of series stops, right, mm-hmm. you know, we obviously – players being vetted into that system where they're actually keeping these guys accountable on their toes for, for roster spots. So, you know, yeah, it's interesting to see that USA sevens team. It seems like the turnover in the last couple of years is pretty quick. Like you'll see a guy make the squad like, Oh, he'll be there for a while. And then they're gone just because it is so much more competitive. And there are so many people playing at Mm -hmm. a high level. And I do think this league has a great chance to keep pushing that pace. And then also I really am optimistic that, if an average person sees this on at the bar, they're they're going to be glued to yeah. it because the bright colors, the fast pace. Hey, this game's over. New one's on. Oh, cool. You know, so I don't know. We're optimistic and and we'll be excited to see what uh, the local sevens of New York, what you guys have going on there. And yeah, no, yeah. that's awesome. I'll have to get some you guys. Yeah, no, it, it should be fun. So um, yeah, whatever, whatever gains eyeballs and, and, you know, creates lovers of the game is, is, is what we want. And, you know, we're all rugby addicts to begin with. So, so we're going to watch it and, and, you know, we all try to do as much as we can, but, yeah. you know, like you said, it's, it's about convincing, you know, the average American into to recognizing what rugby is, mm-hmm. you know, seeing that there's, there's professional league or multiple professional leagues now. And, and then, you know, when, when they have kids that are coming up through the game and, or, you know, other sports and they hear rugby like oh man like it's actually pretty cool and you know obviously you know our game is continuing to grow in the states regardless but you know it's nice to see certain things popping up that's going to help move the needle a little bit quicker because you know Mm -hmm. i'd like to see a world cup win in my lifetime (laughs) (laughs) yeah we both (laughs) well we got to make it there first yeah i know right (laughs) (laughs) i guess well (laughs) oh yeah well no this is this is awesome stuff and and I just want to give you another shout out here to these high school kids, you know, rebel rugby, 
like Phil and I were, were big fans of it, you know, and yeah. seeing and hearing what Casey's been saying and then hearing what you're saying about it. And like the fact that, like you said, it's not a high performance team where, Hey, you pay the money, you're at this tournament and then I'm on to the next one. Like the fact you guys are following these kids through and you're, you're truly developing helping them and yes. helping them along the way. Um, where can, so if, if I'm a kid in high school in Iowa, how can I look into this program? How can I put my name into the hat? How can I get involved with this? Yeah, so I, I mean, the, the easiest thing would be to, you know, show up for the select tryouts this Sunday, right? Because, mm. you know, obviously Casey's going to be there. He filmed everything. He sends everything to me. We can take a look at it that way. You know, traditionally we have one of our Rebel staffers that gets out to, uh, you know, Iowa at least once a year. But, you know, that, that's the big thing, right, is, is at least making your Iowa select first and then we can vet through. So, you know, last year when we went to, to Austin, Casey brought the select and we, we traveled together, we stayed together, we trained together and did everything. So at least those 13 kids that went last year kind of have an understanding of, of what we're doing and, mm-hmm. and how we like to do things and stuff. But, you know, kids can always reach out to, to me via email. Uh, they can reach out to Casey. Um, you know, but you know, if, if they have film, send it over. We'll we'll take a look, and you know, the, we understand that there's plenty of project players to, to be had all around the country. But mm-hmm. you know, I is one of those spots where we've we've invested in. We want to continue to invest in. Um, you know, it's it's those kids being able to make sure that they they show up for for those tryouts, and and when we are in town, right, actually showing up, right, not just just saying they're going to show up mm-hmm. or they're going to come down and actually there to the field and and showcasing what their their abilities are. Definitely. Uh, anything to add to that, Casey? Uh, no, I mean, sometimes I think, you know, what, what drew me into Rebel was, was especially after I went to that first tournament out in Utah, I think a couple years ago, mm-hmm. was the process and how how organized everything is. It's not, it's not kind of what we think of as like rugby organized. It's, <laughs> you know, it's very... Um, People show up on time? Laid out. <laughs> laid out planned on time you know it's it's i think ethan said you know it's very similar to how usa runs their stuff um in-house so to be able to you know just give those kids uh a sample of that and see how they do under that pressure um and something different is is kind of it's been fun and what really drew me to them too nice and casey one more thing here for you what's your goal with rebel rugby what would you like to see happen this summer over the next couple of years, what, what's the big thing you want to see happen with the program? Uh, I mean, obviously just kind of what Ethan was saying, we're going to continue to grow, continue to, to pull in players. Um, you know, me, I, I kind of like where we're at now is never where I like to be. So, you know, if we can add a, a U14 sometime, maybe that, maybe that's in the books. Um mm-hmm. You never know. You start them out, start them out soon, run them through the whole process. We're going to be pumping a lot of very good Iowa rugby players out. I mean, you have like 90 kids in elementary and middle school in Waverly. <laughs> so, I mean, they're coming. Yeah. They're on the way. Yeah. I, right I mean, there. I think Cash Pitts, Cash and Kean and all, all, all the boys look pretty good in Rebel Garb. So, <laughs> nice. And Ethan, I'll ask you the same question as well. Um, what's the big thing you want to see happen, whether it's on the field, off the field? What is the big goal for Rebel Rugby for this summer and going into the future? Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously I'd like to win Tropical 7 here next month. I think that's that's goal number one. Uh, goal number two would be to 
you know, go back to back at uh, at Bloodfest. Actually, it'd be a three feet at Bloodfest, oh, but wow. I think Casey's going to try to ruin that with the select. <laughs> and then, you know, going, you know, last year we won two of the three divisions that we played in in NAIs in Salt Lake. I'd like to win all three. So, you know, at least short term goals for on field. I think I think that hits it there. But you know, as far as Iowa, right? I, I'd I'd like really like to see you know all the coaches in Iowa invest in their kids and, and and challenge the way that they maybe think about you know the way they coach their teams and collaborating with us a little bit more and building these relationships you know because i think if we could get 35 to 40 kids training you know maybe on a you know you know twice a month training schedule mm-hmm. in person with casey there those kids are just going to be that much more dynamic when they go back to their clubs right and mm-hmm. then you know when when people see what rugby is they're seeing a, a better product right the game's going to be faster it's going to be more physical it's going to end up being safer all said and done so you know as far as i was i'd really like to start collaborating with these coaches more them opening up to be willing to work with us and Definitely. um you know see the are able to offer these kids something i've talked about with casey multiple times is it, we've done it in the past in the state of iowa it's like a coaching summit for our high school coaches where people will come in from different areas of whether it's like strength and conditioning how to be a nonprofit, and then actual like, here's tactics and here's mm-hmm. how you run a program. I mean, is that something you would be interested with Rebel Rugby, like coming in and like teaching coaches how to coach kind of at a higher level? Because I do think some of us, I mean, myself included, my ceiling is what I've learned in the state of Iowa. It'd be great to have people come in with all these experiences just to help raise that ceiling of our coaches. Is that something you guys have talked about as well? Yeah, uh, I would absolutely love to do that. It's, you know, we, we just got to make sure that, you know, when, when people come out that we're, you know, we have anywhere from five to 10, even more coaches that, right. that want to continue to learn, be open to it. Right. So that's, yeah. that was one of the things that I kind of ran into as a, as a hard spot in the game was, you know, as a young coach, older coaches not wanting to collaborate with you or listen oh, to yeah. you or anything like that. But, um, you know, I think the more open we can all be and, and challenge the way that we think and challenge the way that we coach and, and you know, be willing to continue to learn, right? We're only going to benefit these kids more, you know, all said and done. And, and if we're not directly doing it for them, right, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're coaching, if, what, what else are you doing it for, right? And, and it better better not be ego, better not be state championships, right? Because those are going to come and go. This game's been here long before we are ever around. And, oh, yeah. and we, you know, here long we're all gone. So, it's, you know, what do you, what do you want to be known for when you're done coaching? You know, that's, that's kind of the way we view it, but I'd absolutely love to work with more of these coaches on a regular basis. And, you know, since I've been working with Casey, I, th- I think he's, he's won every, every state championship they, they've had. So, you know, <laughs> pretty that's, much. <laughs> but that's what the game needs. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, Casey, Ethan, I really appreciate you guys yeah. coming on. Thank and, you so much. And sharing the story of rebel and, we're going to keep doing our part to try to push kids towards it and try to spread the word because I really do believe in it. And I think it's a great pathway for our kids. And I'm, we're very biased. We think there's a lot of talent in Iowa that doesn't get seen. So the fact that you're tapping into it, I think it's going to benefit the program. Again, it's we're biased, but benefit our kids, benefit Rebel Rugby, all the works. Yeah. So thank you so much for what you do. And, and yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on everything. And hopefully we see some more Iowa kids out there this summer. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always always fun to talk shop. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. Have a good one. And that was Ethan and Casey from Rebel Rugby. I'm a lot more focused now for this next segment. I'm in it. But, again, with uh, those guys being on, we really appreciate them coming on. That was really cool and really excited to see what Rebel Rugby, you know, does over the next few years, especially for Iowa Rugby. 
Yeah, and I remember it was something that I saw pop up on social media, you know, when Casey was starting to get involved and I saw Brad was getting involved. And it was kind of one of those things that I was interested in because Mm -hmm. seeing these high performance academies pop up independently from other, you know, not through USA Rugby, not through like specific pipelines, but they're kind of their own entity. And it's kind of scary because you really do have to sift through some of them because we've, I think we both know of one that we're very familiar with that didn't look out for player welfare the same way that Rebel does. Yeah, and, exactly. and it very much was, we just need to find uh, 15 people for this tour. Here's how much it costs. Here's your jersey. And if you want to come back, here's the next price tag. And it wasn't about getting notes and becoming a better mm-hmm. player and, and training at a high level and, and learning. Like they said, they try to model after USA Rugby's camps mm-hmm. and how they do inside their structure. So if they do move up the ladder they're familiar with this type of setting. And, and I really do believe in what they're doing and seeing our kids or Casey's kids from Waverly, Mm -hmm, um, you know, seeing kids from Iowa go and do well in these tournaments. I really do think it's going to open a door for more kids. And then again, there's a camp on this weekend where they're going to be taking a look at kids. Hopefully a lot of kids show up and can show out. Cause I really do think what we've seen at the high school tournament for the state championship Every year it's getting better. And I think it, it it feeds into itself. It's not just because guys are going high performance. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because of the the level of plays increase. Like they, they play into each other. Exactly. And that's the thing where all these pieces where you have more coaches trying to become better coaches. Mm-hmm. Referees are trying to become better referees. Players are taking this more seriously. We have more numbers. Kids are going high performance. All of this is like a perfect storm of of a boom for, for high school rugby here in Iowa. And I think too, it's, we have all these athletes who they're great football players. They're great wrestlers. wrestlers, You know, I'm not going D one. So I'm I'm not, I'm not going D one in football or wrestling or, or whatever my sport is. And I'm okay with that. And then they find rugby and then they find out, Whoa, I can go to Iowa central. Or I can go to Lindenwood, Lindenwood or Life, or like, I can I, I can go to Wayne, like, I can go Jesus, to Wayne, yeah. Wayne State even you know like yeah. there's places that are giving out money, um, and then also Iowa Iowa State and you and I are fantastic club programs that yeah. oh guys went to Iowa State and they got drafted yeah. into Major League Rugby like it, it's it's interesting you know and mm-hmm. so it's it's cool to see that there's something out there. Um, moving into more sevens news this past weekend. In the World Series, the World Rugby HSBC 7 Series, they were in Vancouver. And in Vancouver, for the men's side, Argentina got first place, France got second, Australia got third, the USA got sixth, and New Zealand got fifth. And New Zealand, I bring them up as fifth because they're actually number one in the series. So this was the first time since Hong Kong, the very first tournament, that New Zealand hasn't been a top three podium finish. So that's interesting. But they beat USA by like 50 points. Yeah, that's hard. And that's the thing too. New Zealand at 120, they're in first place for overall points. Argentina at 108 is second. France with 95 is in third. Fiji, 94, is fourth, tied with Australia at 94. And then Samoa at 89, tied with South Africa, 89. Then in eighth, that's Ireland with 83. And then USA, 81 points. They're in ninth place, ahead of Britain, ahead of Uruguay, ahead of Spain. 
USA has two medal finishes. They've been third place twice. There's four tournaments left to go. You know, they are... They need to start placing top three they're more often. <laughs> 13 points away from, like, really being in the running for the top three. And then they're, you know, eight points away from being in the, the top five, six. So, mm. ugh, kind of a bummer. But, you know, they, like Ethan was saying, like, we're seeing some of these players come through playing at a higher level. Um, hopefully this continues to grow for them. Uh, on the women's side, they also played at Vancouver. New Zealand got first, Australia got second, USA got third. In the overall series, New Zealand is first, Australia is second, USA is third. And they're right in the hunt, too. Like, what, down? They need their two points behind Australia, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So New Zealand has 98, Australia 84, USA 82, France in fourth place, 66. It's yeah, a big drop-off. Yeah, the top <laughs> three teams are going to be the top three teams. There's only two more tournaments for the women. And so, realistically, New Zealand would have to fall off a cliff for Australia and USA to catch up. Mm-hmm. But USA has a chance to beat Australia and finish number two in the world. Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be fantastic. And I think that PR7s league, Premier Rugby 7s, you heard Ethan say it, women and men are being paid the same. Mm-hmm. Every team has a men's side and a women's side. That's cool. That and cool. that's going to benefit the this right here a lot. Hmm. You know, the women are really going to benefit from that because we're going to have paid professional women's sevens players in the United States that can feed into the USA program. Really cool to see. I think that's really going to benefit them. Speaking of people playing into the national stage, the American Raptors, they played against Pampas. They were tied 13-13 at half. Yeah, I know. What happened? What happened? (laughs) <laughs> little James Ross yeah. there. <laughs> um, yeah, and then in the second half, Pompa scored 14, and the Raptors had three. three. Uh, again, uh, improvement, improvement, mm-hmm. improvement. They're, and they're, they're road warriors here. They've been on the road every single time. Yeah. This next match, they're on the road again, oh and they're taking on Yukari 15. I think I'm saying that right. Yukari, they're a Paraguayan professional rugby team mm-hmm. based out of Asuncion. Asuncion? I apologize. I'm trying. Do you see it? I mean, How you're, would you dude, say that? I, you're doing better than I would. So, yeah, yeah something like that. They're on the road again. So, shout out to those guys. I mean, they're going after it. You think of it, too. They have so many guys that are crossover athletes. Mm-hmm. Rugby wasn't their first sport. I mean, there are some guys with rugby backgrounds, but there are a lot of people. And they're going up against guys who play for their national teams. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's been rough in the the super rugby americas but slowly getting better they're showing improvement and and they're doing it they're there you know that's that's what i think is important you know they they see what the world stage is like and they can prepare for it better yeah hopefully they get a match here in the states pretty soon it's gotta be coming up soon yeah i wonder if they're just kind of doing this where they do a bunch of road games and then that way then they can just be home for a while I, i don't understand or I wonder if because if they're a new team, if they have to do more road trips. I don't yeah. know. So then let's get into, we had a little bet. So we're starting to keep track of our Major League Rugby predictions. And we just straight up, tonight's our first practice at Pally's. The loser of this week has to buy the other guy their first beer at Pally's. So we actually had every single match we agreed on, except for 
Houston, and San Diego. But we're going to go in order of these matches. The first match, Seattle Seawolves defeat the Dallas Jackals 35-10. to Not really surprising. In the first two minutes, Dallas got a red card. Yeah. So they played down a man. Dallas is also at the bottom of the power rankings. Mm-hmm. Tough day for them. Seattle, one of two teams that are They're left undefeated. unbeaten. So we both picked Seattle on that. Good job. All right. Next one. Rugby ATL against Nola Gold. You always want to pick the gold. But I do. This but... is a tough year for them. Yeah, they're, so far. They're down. ATL's looking decent. 29-16 ATL. They get the win. I just hate looking at their logo. Atlanta's. Yeah. Bothers me. It just bothers me. It bothers me too. Dude, they had such a cool logo. I know. It was the, way cooler. The Rattler looking thing. But hey, we both picked ATL. Yeah. We're both 2 and up. The next one. Now, this is crazy. The Chicago Hounds hosted Utah Warriors. SeatGeek Stadium, by the way, looks amazing. Yeah, it looks cool. It's beautiful. The crowd was packed. It was loud. They were getting into it. The Hounds were up at halftime, I'm pretty sure, 10 to 7. Mm -hmm. Utah Warriors, though, in the end, they prevail 14 to 10. Chicago just couldn't punch it through. And I'm going to say this, too. I watched this whole match. Chicago was putting together some better pieces, mm. but they kept getting inside the attacking 22 and even inside the five meter line, like right before halftime, they were one meter out Ugh. and they couldn't punch it in. I swear the hardest place to score in MLR is inside the five meter line, inside the 22 Dude, meter line. Yeah, I Because agree. you think of it, when we play club rugby, there's always someone who's tired. You run those crash balls, you run a crash ball, you run a crash ball, a gap's going to open up. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're playing at the MLR level, you got 15 dudes who are all high-performance athletes. They all have great cardio. Dude, they recycle so fast. Those crash balls are just to set up the back line. And every single time Chicago got it to their back line inside the 22, they lost so much space. There was another time, too, Chicago stole the ball on their own, like backs against the wall inside their own 22. And this dude is running one-on-one with a defender, and he has his wing to his left. It's an easy two-on-one. But the guy with the ball noticed that there was no fullback or wing. No one was deep. Yeah. So instead, he kicks it. If he just would have played that a two-on-one, and I don't think he knew his guy was with him stride for stride, if he would have played the two-on-one, they probably score like an 80-meter try. But he kicks it, gives away possession. Also, Utah had two yellow cards. Utah still, their back line really put it on Chicago's back line. Mm. Even with a yellow card, they were pushing the pace in the back line. It, if they didn't have those yellow cards, Utah probably would have gotten a little further away. Um, yeah, Chicago's just got to find a way to score mm. inside the five meter. And they were close. They almost, they almost came back and won at the end, but just a few too many mistakes. They also had in the last like five minutes too, two minutes. There was a penalty on Utah. There's two minutes left. Chicago is at their own 40. And they're like, all right, we're going to kick it into touch, a line out from like 10, five-meter line, mm-hmm. and we're going to drive this thing in and win. Dude kicks it. Beautiful kick. It's going out at the five-meter line. Oh, wait. It doesn't go out of bounds. Uh-huh. He had the distance. like It was like on the five-meter line, yeah. but it was like two meters away from the touch line. And then Utah just countered. They ran it up, and then they kicked it back, and then Chicago had no time left, and they were desperate. And 
Great improvement by Chicago. Oh, yeah, 100%. But we both lost that one. They're going to win some matches, though, this year, for sure. Yeah. Things are coming together. All right, so this next match. The match to decide who buys the beer for the other guy. Houston Sabercats against San Diego Legion. They were both undefeated at the time. They're playing in Houston. This was a back-and-forth match. Yeah. This had some fireworks. There was so many long tries. I know I saw Nate Osberger for San Diego had a long try. Um, Houston had a couple of breakaway tries. But the finish to this match was crazy. Houston is down with 90 seconds to go. They're running a couple crash balls inside their attacking 22. And the scrum half picks it and goes left. And as he went left, the man marking X followed him, mm-hmm. or marking the pillar, post, yeah. whatever you want to call it. He followed him, back and he, packed, uh. he passed it back <sighs> inside to the crashing eight man, uh. who had an easy 15, 20 meter, whatever it was, run straight into the tri zone. But it was just a little pick and go. He's running at the outside defender. The mm. inside man follows. He pops it back door, back inside, just a, just a simple yeah. pop. You, so beautiful though it was oh amazing God. to watch that replay because it was just so heads up like that's the thing too that defensive line is so hard to break that one player had a mental lapse he cut in boom but then you think oh 90 seconds left houston won the game watching the highlights san diego almost marched it all the way down the field they <laughs> get to their attacking 22 they're doing running rugby they're past 80 minutes next dead ball game's over San Diego has a beautiful run, but the support man gets a little too far ahead. Guy offloads it to him. He has to reach back. He knocks it. Yeah. And if he would have caught that in stride, he would have walked in for a super easy try. This match, I I would love, I could watch Houston and San Diego play each other every week if that's the type of rugby it's going to be because it was so exciting. It, It was action packed. It was kind of tough, too, because they played at the same time as the Hounds. Um, or They started one hour after the Hounds. So I watched the Chicago game, took a little break, and then I only saw the last little bit of Houston-San mm-hmm. Diego. But entertaining. Yeah, one for the ages. And also the deciding factor of me buying you a beer mm. tonight. <laughs> yes! I'm going to enjoy it. Get the biggest beer they got. 34 ounces, please. <laughs> And then the last match, the New York Ironworkers win 34-8 to eight over Old Glory DC. No surprises there. I don't think Old Glory is as good as we thought they I were. Know, that makes me sad. New York is definitely a contender. You know, if we look at the standings now. Yeah. Dude, well, next week or this weekend or whatever, the uh, only teams that are undefeated play each other. You're ruining Friday's oh, yeah. episode. That's the preview. Oh, no. We're just reviewing. <laughs> so, yeah. If we look at the... The standings, again, the West looks to be the the very tough division. Houston 3-0, Seattle 3-0, San Diego 2-1, Utah 2-1, Chicago 0-2, but they easily could have swapped with Utah there. And then the Dallas Jackals 0-3. Tough. In the East, New York is 2-1, ATL is 2-1, New England 1-1, Old Glory 1-1, Toronto 0-2, NOLA 0-3. I mean, if we actually count it up, that's one, two, three, four, five, six wins by teams in the East. And then two, four, uh, ten. 
10 wins in the West. So already there's a disparity there. So it'll be interesting. Again, super early. We have a ton of rugby left. Mm. Um, We'll preview next week's on Friday in two days. Other things going on. I saw on social media, and I don't know how it impacts Major League Rugby, but the United States men's national team for soccer on social media posted that there is a $500 million Aloha Stadium coming to Hawaii. The project will include an entertainment district and private residences for the surrounding area. The new venue will aspire to youth and communal use, as well as opportunities for U.S. soccer and rugby. Wow. The stadium itself is slated to be finished for the 2026 season. So I know it's soccer, but they put the word rugby in there. Yeah, so it makes you think. Could there be a major league rugby team that could open up to more Pacific? Because uh, again, USA rugby is is really, uh, or major league rugby has kind of a problem where they might have, like they say they're developing USA talent. But if you look at the rosters, and I saw Pat Clifton retweeted. a lot of international players. Dude, most teams have less than, six or less guys starting from the United States. Yeah. And also with the potential of having a Hawaii team and like the whole salary cap, because the salary cap's not crazy high for the MLR. So I right. wonder how they're going to, if they would potentially have an MLR team, how they would afford to all the uh, travel. Cause you are literally on an Island in the middle of the ocean. Right. It's pretty expensive to travel from, or like to and back from Hawaii. Well, and like the cost of living and yeah. then the travel, like how, how could they make that work? But like, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, but, or could we see another super rugby Americas team that competes in South America? And like, it's also very far travel as well. Well, it is, but I mean, but it pulls in like Pacific Islander nations. Like uh, it could be really interesting to see. And again, this is all purely speculation because Mm. uh, I saw they use the word rugby and I don't think you use that word unless there's actual conversations yeah, exactly. going on. And it's just, I've heard of rumors before that Hawaii wanted a pro team or some sort of team. Mm. Yeah, here it is. Uh, Pat Clifton tweeted, Scott Lawrence posted this chart of American starters by team on LinkedIn the other day. Atlanta has six starters from the U.S., Chicago seven, Dallas five, D.C. six, Houston six, New England two, New York four, uh, NOLA 5, San Diego 5, Seattle 7, Utah 9, uh, the American Raptors 9. So even American Raptors are like, hey, we're, we're growing domestic talent to mm-hmm. play for the Eagles. They're, they're, if they were in the MLR still, they'd be on the higher end. Yeah. But still, a lot of foreign players are taking uh, the spots. But people made some good points here. Someone said, you know, we do share with like Canada, Toronto's in the league. They didn't put Toronto in there. Yeah. A lot of Canadians are trying to get some playing time for them as well. And this one guy, Walker Tice, I don't know who he is, but he said, number one, I see 62 Americans starting and playing professional rugby in a single week in Major League Rugby, a total of 81. Seven years ago, this was a tenth of that, pre-pro rugby, MLR, SLAR. Number two, including the benches, that number jumps to 100-plus weekly American eligible players getting minutes. Hmm. So, and then he said his math was wrong. He meant to say 86. What he meant by that was 62 Americans are playing in the MLR, and then if you add, like, 
Um, there's a new USA Rugby MLR team called the Hawks. We're going to talk about that on Friday. Um, and then also the Raptors. 81 guys are playing professional or international. Mm. That is nothing to kind of bad an eye at. Because yeah. if you think about when we were in college, how many guys like we would see like Paul Emmerich would be playing pro in like Japan or in uh, yeah. England. And there's like a dime a dozen. Yeah, right. It was, that, a, it was a handful yeah. and they had to live in another country yeah. to make that happen. Whereas now we got over a hundred guys playing pro rugby minutes and those international guys raised the bar of yeah. the talent. Interesting conversations to have. I think it becomes a big problem if those numbers get worse or if they don't improve. Mm-hmm. If we stay where we're at or it gets worse, we're then not... that's probably yeah, something more yeah. for a conversation, you know? Yeah. And like, if you keep bringing in imported talent from other countries, it's going to eat up a lot of money too. Because mm. they, they kind of require a little bit more money. Last thing I have about Major League Rugby, the Miami Sharks. Yeah. Watch out, Chicago. They might be my new favorite team. Miami Vice style? Dude, they had a poll. And they asked the fans, which jerseys are your favorite? They're going with pink, the electric blue, I'm going to call it. Mm. I don't know, like a very bright blue, neon blue, neon pink. And then they have black. And like the logo is fun. It almost looks like a create a team logo from the old Madden games when you could make teams and relocate them. Mm. it's, It's way different than a green circle, which... Every team has <laughs> teams? now. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's, it's, it's unique. It's fun. That's what this league should be. It should be fun. And if you're Florida and Florida has that reputation of being Florida, mm-hmm. have a rugby team that matches that, that energy. Yeah. Know? Palm beach too, uh, or Palm beach rugby. Yeah. They have, their jerseys are kind of similar. They're black yeah. and pink. If yeah. you put blue in there, they would have, you know, the same color scheme. So I, I think, I don't know. I love it. I, yeah. I love what they're doing with Miami. They're going to come into the league in 2024, and I think they're going to make some noise fast. Yeah. Then we're going to have to go to Florida and watch a match and do a combined or a uh, Wombats Wombats in Palm Beach, baby. Yeah. My God, that'd be awesome. How many people aren't making it back to Iowa? Mm, We go in like half. (laughs) We go like in a February match, like one of the first matches of the season. Uh, It's like the regular season. It's February. But I meant for, I meant for, we don't even have to play them. I'm just saying go down to yeah, Florida okay. and watch MLR game. Yeah, no, that'd be fun. Or we see how our team does, and then if we don't make playoffs, we just all transfer a sip before April 2nd <laughs> to Palm Beach. No, I'm kidding. That's I could joke. do that? <laughs> Actually, no, they did just post you could do that. Hmm. I'm going to cut this part out. <laughs> no, because now you're going to think about it. Yeah, no, they posted, like, if you want to transfer or, like, yeah. do whatever has to be done before April 2nd, which – it's like, but if you already played your whole season and you played in the playoffs yeah. and your team got knocked out of the playoffs, could you transfer to Palm Beach and be like, hey, I'm in the new guy? I wonder. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. You know what? Luke's, yeah. Luke's going to hear this and he'll be like, you're doing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he's going to have to drag you down there. Well, you're already going down there. You're probably not coming back. <laughs> well, we had a good run on the podcast. 60 episodes. I knew that was the ceiling. Yeah, right. No, I'm just playing. I know I had to wait 60 episodes to get us a new mic just to make sure that we were, you know, in this for the long run. One and done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phil, if, if this sounds different or better, Phil bought a new microphone 
And yeah, you waited 60 episodes before you really wanted to commit. Yeah. That's like what? <laughs> dating a girl for eight years before you propose? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Too close to <laughs> Man, Gray, how you feeling? Good, you. Good, you. Good, you. Good, you. Good, you. Good, you. Fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh legs. Oh,